0: Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian, the team currently heading down to the Championship. And regardless of whether it's uh, uh, done now, done at the end of the season, I think we deserve it. Mark Donaldson.
1: (laughs) Can't argue. Can't argue. Do you know what I was thinking about the recent... Scarves around the funnel podcasts that we've done. And we've had a good bit of fun over recent weeks. We had the mm-hmm. the one at Easter Road, the victory over Rangers, the, the in the cup as well. And then I kind of thought to myself, I think this is like a a real life episode of Scooby Doo. In in the hearts <laughs> are the person in the mask and they have now been unmasked. And you kind of think, This is great, we're gonna do it. It's the, the teas of the Hibs at Easter Road and the Rangers in the Cup, but all along it's not really real, and the mask has been taken off, and we now see the spectre of relegation that we thought was haunting us initially, but then we'd we'd got rid of it, or we we had at least a chance of getting rid of it, but then when the mask was taken off, alas, Scooby Doo, there it is the grim reaper in all its glory after the Paisley procession for St. Mirren.
0: Yes, we've, uh, again, we've done it so many times and we am determined not to do it again. But, you know, last time we had some positivity. We talked talked about some positives because there were positives. We beat Rangers in the Cup and then we beat Hibs at Easter Road. But we can't do that again. See, even if we get a one win or two wins, I I just think we're just going to have to take it one game at a time as the cliche goes and not even get overly positive about what's just happened because between now and next season which is likely to be relegation it looks very unlikely that given the way we're playing that we can, the only thing that's going to save us is probably the current pandemic um, (laughs) which is probably the only the only way out and we wouldn't deserve it to be honest Uh, but I just think it's just these players, if they get us out of it do you know what? That's that's they've they've barely even scraped um scraped an excuse for for the performances prior. Even if they do somehow get us out of this, I think it's just I was so I, I was annoyed, and it probably came through when I was doing commentary. Um, it did. I thought you were very day. honest,
1: but what um, also came through were the noise from the away fans.
0: Yeah, and I don't and I don't blame them at all. I mean, okay, there's certain things. Ugh, there was some booing of players when they were still on at times, which I think that's a little bit counterproductive at times highlighting individuals when the game's still going on and we still we still had a chance, although we never really at any point in that game showed enough to to get anything from it. But, you know, showing the disgruntlement when player when players goes off, showing the disgruntlement at the team in general throughout the game, of course I got that, because we were we were we were we were terrible. We were awful from start to finish. We never offered anything and We were so easy to defend against against um, you know the team sitting the, the only team by the table at that point who were worse than us, and yeah it wasn't like St Mirren were battering the goal down but they didn't need to they they created a couple more chances than we did because we created zero they took one and after that happened oh, at no point did we ever look like getting a goal and it was just not good enough I mean I know we've we've often gone to that stadium and been crap but this is this is huge that game was massive for us and for those players to go out there and those players on a wage bill which some say it's at least the fourth highest in that league possibly even up there with Aberdeens now to be able to to go out there against St. Minna and not even show the same fight as the opposition the same desire to get anything from the game apart from the fact they showed no quality either it's just it's totally unacceptable and you know those fans went through there on a cold Wednesday night um, spending you know money uh, hard earned money and to get an absolutely zero back. I don't blame them.
1: This podcast, since it's episode one back in October 2018, has been about identifying problems and trying to find solutions. I think today it has to be about blame and who's responsible for where we are right now. I put a simple uh, tweet out last night. Uh, the quote from Daniel Stendhal but the players not been ready and not been up for it. And, and then I said, look, who's to blame for this? And throughout this podcast, I want to get to some of the replies that I had, whether it's the manager, whether it's the players, whether it's the board or or whatever. Um, so we'll get to that. One of the other things I wanted to bring out today was the tweet by the 2.1 podcast about average points won against bottom six sides this season. Hearts 0.69. That's nearly half of next worst, which is Hamilton, and then everybody else has won more than twice the number of average points that we have won against other bottom six sides this season. Doing it against Rangers, doing it against Hibbs is fine, but when you consider this, we probably need at least four wins from eight games, whenever those games take place, to have a chance of not finishing bottom. We have won four in 30. How are we suddenly going to win four in eight with the players who had that opportunity to fight, to battle, to scrap, to have that hunger, to beat St. and at least get a point in a game that the coach came out prior to the game and, and said, um, this is a game we can't afford to lose. So how are we going to win four of eight when we've won four of 30?
0: Probably won't, <laughs> to be honest. But we will we will talk about the last two games. So we'll talk about Motherwell, at uh, uh, Castle, and then the midweek game that just passed um, against St Mirren. Um, maybe talk about what the hell's going to happen um, in Scottish football with the current uh, coronavirus outbreak, um, what, how that might affect the rest of the season, and we'll look ahead to the game that we'll probably still go ahead on Sunday uh, away to Livingston. We're
1: not, we're not, we're not,
0: So first up, Hearts played Motherwell at Tynecastle last weekend and they went into this game on a high. You know, they'd beaten Rangers in the Cup, they'd beaten Hibbs in a, a big league game and they were looking to, for the first time in uh, well over a year, win three games on the bounce. Could they do it? Could they finally capitalise on a couple of good performances and find some consistency? Only one change from the side from Hibs, um, Liam Boyce went out, Stephen Naismith the captain came back in. Stuck with the same system really 442. Um Slomall in goals, Smith Halkett, DKamona Hickey, uh Claire Demur, Bazanic, and Moore in midfield and Naismith Washington, the attackers. Sloppy um opening goal for Motherwell uh, midway through the first half. Craig Halkett just taking too long on the ball, being closed down, well taken in, in the end by Chris Long. Um Hart's dominated the second half largely, got the early leveller through Connor Washington. Couldn't make it count though. I thought I'd get a quick analysis from Gary Mulroney who does the Maroon Report we um, mentioned last time. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore hearts report. So his uh, quick analysis of this game is, um, our attacking organisation causing ourselves a lot of defensive problems in this match one of the most important principles of football is moving the ball forward one such tool that the hearts team have utilized very well recently is the use of vertical passing in the first phase of build-up if completed successfully this allows for the instant progression of the ball into a more advanced area of the pitch and um, past one or sometimes two lines of opposition pressure Hearts used it very effectively against rangers and hibs. however as i suspected it's not greatly effective when playing teams with highly physical man orientated marking teams it was detrimental to us uh, in the first quarter. Motherwell played deeper and deeper as it coaxed our back line to push up higher and higher. Um, as we've seen on various occasions, our high defensive line is a recipe for chaos. Motherwell didn't deal with our all-out longer vertical passes. However, when we were unsuccessful in the Gagan press, it was due to their defenders simply taking minimal touches and playing quick long passes into the space behind the defence for Long or Rolando Ahrens to attack. So it's interesting, Mark, because... We actually, I think we briefly said last time, we can't really play the same way against Motherwell at home. It's not going to work like it did away to Hibs and to a degree at home to Rangers, but we did play that way, and it and it didn't really work. Um, and it's it's funny, you know, Stendhal adjusted his tactics, and we praised him for that against against Rangers and Hibs in this game, and to the degree in the game, which we'll talk about briefly afterwards, he's maybe not then adjusted them another way to enough because it, there were different games and it was kind of clear for most of it, albeit Motherwell was slightly different, which I'll mention as well, but it, there was just, it just wasn't quite working. You could see we were, being, we were too easy to defend against in those games. I think
1: we're easier to work out than a lot of other teams in the Premier League. Um, no matter the changes of formation, uh, and... and Look, I, I'm saying, saying this from afar, having watched what I can on Hearts TV, my little game, yes. Sintman and game, no. Wasn't going to watch it again after we lost. One thing that's kind of been the common denominator throughout, regardless of whether we've gone three at the back or four at the back, a long ball over the top, we struggle. If you can get us turned, you've got a high line on a yeah. number of occasions. And, and we, we struggle with that. Um and if it's been seen in a lot of the games, then there's a reason that, that managers send scouts and themselves and go and watch future opponents, because you can learn stuff. And managers are learning a lot from hearts. Are we learning enough, though, about how to how to counter that? I, I'm not sure. And it was interesting listening to, to Stephen Robinson, he felt his team should have won the game. He felt they should have had a penalty at 2-0. That's an interesting one for me. My first initial instinct was No. I can see why he complained for it, and it would have it would have changed the game. I also saw something that the Hearts tw- uh, Twitter account put out um, the the video that was put together, and I thought it was an outstanding video of the match day. Bobby Slamal's save was was phenomenal. Yeah, um, and we we were much better in the second half, um, but by that stage, them going to goal up, we we needed that first goal. I just we struggle against teams teams that have a go at us we can deal with. Rangers and, and Hibs. Celtic's different because they're going to beat most. But teams that know how to play against us sit in and... Motherwell, Motherwell had a fair bit of the ball. I'm not saying they sat behind the ball or, or whatever. We, we we struggled to play that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't actually, and I said after the game, I wasn't overly concerned after the Motherwell game. I was disappointed we didn't win but the second half, it was a lot of heart's pressure. One of the one of my slight disappointments was I, I couldn't really work it. We were playing a 4-1, four, 4-1, one, four, one, and um, we basically had... But we had no central midfielders beyond De the sitter. We had a, 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 the four, which is usually, what, two central midfielders and wide players, was like Moore, Walker, Boyce, Naismith, um, and it was just uh, behind Washington. And it's like there's just It was too many attackers almost. They were getting in each other's way at times. Um, but at the end of the game, I thought, okay, that's the team third in the league. They sat in and they looked, you know, they were quite happy to play out for a point. By then, you could see obviously time wasting and sitting behind the ball. Um, It it didn't bother me too much, you know. It's a point should have won, created quite a few chances. The big game was going to be St Mirren on Wednesday. I thought, you know, okay, slight disappointment, but if we go and beat St Mirren on Wednesday, we keep an unbeaten run going, and it's massive. That's those are the games where we faltered. Those are the games where we really need to up what we're doing and turn up and get results. and it, we just didn't from start to finish. I mean, unchanged lineup. We'll move on to the St Mirren game. We don't want to dwell too much on the the Motherwell game because the St Mirren one is the one that's I think caused the most reaction from from fans. Um, unchanged and. I mean, what well, I'll do, it. I'll quickly go through, I mean, Gary mentioned the St. Mirren game as well, he said it was tactically similar to Motherwell, however, selection-wise a double pivot shouldn't have been deployed for a team who play a low defensive block and play long balls to a beaker. it's redundant, also set up not to lose as Daniel Stendhal stated, but I believe this was the wrong mindset, Washington with his strengths and attributes is another ineffective player playing against a team like St. Mirren, he has limited space, cannot penetrate them in behind as they sat 20 yards from their goal, his game plan for me was all wrong last night, and the players' uh, inexcusable display is another concerning matter. And it's spot on. I think you know there's two things here: tactically and our approach. I didn't understand what we were hoping to gain against a team like St. Midden, Who did? They, they sat and defended, and they were great at it. You know, I thought Sam Foley was terrific when he, he started midfield and dropped into defence. Um, the lad they had loan from lad they have on loan from Norwich was super. I thought as a defensive unit, they were great. They restricted us but we made it so easy we floated balls up there two big center backs throughout the game Corner Washington had no space because they were playing so deep so there was no channels to run into and we just kept floating up there and it was just like they must have been thinking it was Christmas it was just it was and we didn't change it so from a tactical point of view you have to criticize Stendhal for that because that's that's his 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 setup for it. And it was never gonna the best we could really hope for from that was a nil-nil. It was it was like a Craig Levine approach to some of these games. It was like watching a Craig Levine team, but they do set up for nil nil but have no idea what to do if we then need to take the game to them. Um that's one aspect. But the second aspect is the players themselves were, were were terrible on the on the whole. There was errors here or there. A lot of them did not look as committed as they should have been. They were sloppy at times um, I thought Aaron Hickey did okay. I thought he—I I know you wouldn't have seen the game, so there's you can't really comment too much on individuals. But I thought he worked hard and was one of the better players. But again, that's another damning indictment of other players out there—that the seventeen-year-olds the one stepping forward and winning the ball and driving up. And he—he he dro- he drove up the line a couple of times and then had to check back in, turn back the way, and look for options. He had nowhere to go. We were just being suffocated by St. Mirren. Um. And you know, and they were celebrating and goading us, and it was one of these at the at the end of the game. Mark, in some ways, it makes it easier because I'm now at the point where I'm like, you know what? If this, if the season finish now, if we have to play behind closed doors, if we play the rest of the the games, if we go down, then I'll 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 accept it because we've been rubbish, and the other teams have fought much much more than us. If we stay up, I don't even. It will be an absolute. It will be a, a, a let off for us if we somehow get out of it.
1: A Lot to get to here. Let's I'll try and be as succinct as possible. Sorry, I've been rambling
0: because I'm annoyed.
1: No, no, no. And I think it's important that we get things off our chest because it's it's fine when things are going great, but we can't just hide when things are going poorly and just hope it hope it changes without any kind of well. How's it going to change? Let's see what we can do about this. I want to go to quotes post-match quotes from both Brian Rice and Jim Goodwin um, after respective games. Jim Goodwin after Hearts and Brian Rice after a phenomenal uh, recent form, um, both pretty much said the same. We might not have the same quality of players' hearts, but we've been down here before, and we know how to get out of this, or we know how to battle in the case of St. Mirren. Hamilton, Brian Rice, we know how to get out of this. We've done it before. St. Mirren, we know how to battle. We don't know how to get out of it, and right now we don't know how to battle. That's a big concern. Take you back a few weeks. I said I thought we'd be... I didn't worry initially. Uh, Some did, some didn't. But I also said, if I had one concern, it would be a lack of experience in how to deal with the situation. Hamilton have got it. St. Mirren are used to battling, so they probably have it. So so last night, and last night was an interesting one for me because the unchanged lineup I thought was strange because it wasn't like we won 3-0 against Motherwell. Yeah, we ended the game well, but we could have been 2-0 down before that. So... The, the 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 tactical analysis as someone that hasn't seen the game, the the tactical analysis that you've just read out for me is interesting because why if Washington and Naismith and Boyce are all fit, we said we'd go our first two would be Boyce and Naismith. If we're going a three, then then fine. I understand with his form of late, how he scored a couple of goals, how you you probably keep him. But if you're if you're bypassing the midfield, which we've done a lot in games now, if we're seeing that, and opposition managers are clearly seeing it as well, you can set your team up to just deny them space um, and get your two centre backs tight on your on your striker. Could we not have done Boyce, who was signed to get us out of the shit? Could we not? What, he, he was on the bench. Remember, prior to the first game, when it was postponed we were probably going to be without Boyce and we thought we could have done with him in this game. He's not been the same player of of late that he was when he first came in. So even then, I would have still started him. Um, Hindsight's easy. But if you're playing that, you need to get second ball. If you're playing the the direct, more direct approach, and all these managers have said that about Hearts after they played them. We know how they play. They very rarely deviate. So come on, let's come up with something a little bit different. When Jim Goodwin got that lineup last night, the team sheet, and saw it was exactly the same as Motherwell that he would have studied and, and whatever, he would have been like, "Yes, this is unless they've changed formation or whatever, we can we can deal with this. We're playing into the opposition hands." And the final thing I want to say about this is something I said a few weeks ago about a tweet that was put out by Robert Thompson, who's now at the Sun, and this was a tweet that was put out several weeks ago, who said. Why didn't they just go with someone like a Steven Robinson or a Tommy Wright? This isn't the time to take a chance. And it annoyed me, I'll say it again, because I said it at the time. It annoyed me in that kind of look. You can you can explore outside the borders of Scotland. There is a big whole world out there that also plays football. And I'm not going to go back on what I said with regards to Daniel Stendhal, that appointment. But you know what? Robert's probably right. It was an unnecessary risk that we took when I wanted Levine out at first, my first, I can't remember what the specific game was, but I'd said, look, just, I think it was prior to a derby. Um, so we must've lost a game. And I was like everyone else really pissed off with, with everything going on. I was like, look, let's just get Robbo in till the end of the season. We Gary a Let's just have some sort of passion. And I got hammered by a few. So you've got, you've got to look outside the box a little bit more. Why Why does it have to be a former manager? And I get that. I totally get why they said that. But you know what? With hindsight, if we had the choice right now um, of getting Robbo in after Levine left, I'm not saying we'd be brilliant. We probably might not even be good because the players would would still be a lot of the similar players. But he knows the league. And it it pains me to say it because I was annoyed at the tweet at the time from Robert and it got me. But he was probably right. Is this an unnecessary risk that we have taken? Is it the right guy at the wrong time? Or is it the wrong guy at the wrong time?
0: Well, look through some reactions that we've got after the game. Um, MJK sent us one. He said, four wins in 30. Absolutely incredible. Although, although not mathematically confirmed yet, I think we're down. I cannot see where a win is coming from. We've enjoyed the odd blip this season, two wins over Hibs at Easter Road, one win over Rangers and one over St Mirren, both at home, but that's all they were, blips in an otherwise cesspit pile of poo. Um, the only team in all of Scottish Leagues to have won less games than us this season is Strunrar in League One with two Good. wins. The players have consistently not performed, regardless of who was at the helm. It's been said many times, but we've been dropping like a stone in terms of performances and results ever since that performance against Celtic at Murrayfield last season. Last night, we lost yet another must-not-lose match. We didn't lay a glove on St Mirren. We were meek and predictable, unforgivable, unforgivable given what was at stake. The fallout from what seems like inevitable relegation will be quite something. The fans have been badly let down by those in charge at the club. This has been a gross mismanagement of the highest level. I don't know whether to feel more angry or just gutted about where we are. And it has felt like that, I mean pretty much since we started this podcast um, and <laughs> we've probably our fault uh, it's since that game it's since Stephen Naismith crumpled on the pitch at Murrayfield in october twenty eighteen there has been blips as m j k says but it's been it's been blips when we've had positive results it's been one or maybe two, and it's been shown that it's been papering over cracks it's been it's been an almighty fall you could say it fall from grace because we were talking about winning the league just before that which seems absolutely ridiculous now
1: we were points clear when we did our first ever podcast Laurie. we were several we were not catchable by one team with one win i think we were five points yeah. clear or whatever when we when we did our first game uh, our first podcast and that was although we didn't know it at the time that was our break glass in case of emergency moment we didn't know it at the time <laughs> But something happened, and since then it's, it's, it's been a it, it's been a greased pole that we have been clutching, but we've been making our way down and down and down ever since.
0: And it's, you know, questions have come up like this before, and I I, I don't think it's any point to you know, people, are, this is the worst Hearts team ever, and people go, no, you weren't there in the seventies or whatever, and possibly not. But pound for pound, in terms of when you look at the fact. Resource-wise, we are in the top four, and we're miles, miles ahead of the likes of St Mirren and Hamilton. You know, four times probably uh, the budget of the likes of Hamilton Accies, maybe slightly more now. Um, to be where we are and to be so, so poor to, to, you know, as he said, to be able to not be able to lay a glove on the, the team who are the only team. Um, just the well, the second worst team in the league when you go and play them pound for pound. You, you could you argue that right now this looks like the worst Hearts team. Based I would use
1: they the have? word right. So so here's what I'll do. I'm not going to use the word worst. Okay, quite simply because that's subjective. As is what I'm about to say. But I think you've got more of a gauge. Um, the way I would look at this
0: well, is underachieving.
1: This, yes, that's the word. Is this squad? The most underachieving squad that we've had, taking into account the quality of player, supposedly, that we have at their best, given the results that, that we've had. I, I think it's got to be up there in contention with the the most underachieving squad that we've had in, in quite some time.
0: Well, I would agree. Uh, Mark Thompson says, I've been quietly confident that we would get out of it, but not after that. We deserve to go down, no question. The playoff spot is the absolute best we can get to, but Hamilton are gathering points and we'll end up pulling away some fun away days next season, face with rolling <laughs> eyes.
1: That's an interesting one, and, and here's why. Because I think um, I, th- I think before you even look at others, you've got to look inwards at yourself. And I, I've said it before, I, I'm guilty. Um, was that Mark that sent that tweet? Did you uh,
0: say? Yeah, Mark Thompson.
1: Yeah, so I, I I'm guilty as well as as Mark probably was of of saying, yeah, I'm I'm quietly confident we'll get out. What gave us the God given right to think just because we are hearts that we're going to get out of this situation? What? Why why are we so why were we so confident ahead of games at home against Hamilton and and optimistic ahead of trips to St Mirren that everything would be fine because we are hearts? Why, 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 as a Hearts fan, do we just think, oh, our team will be okay? And it, I'm annoyed at myself for thinking that way. Should we have seen it coming? Is there anything we could have done or, or whatever? Because they have underachieved so badly this season, yet so many people like Mark, like myself, like many, many others, would have been either quietly confident, either confident or, or loudly confident. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be why did we think that? What gave us? Was it because we look at the squad and we see all these players, and we see the budget, and we see the money that's been spent, and we think, no, we, we can't be that bad, can we? Would should we have seen this
0: coming, as fans? Probably. I I I I think a lot of us well, have that, been arrogant, including, including myself, yeah. that you that's keep on thinking. Us then. Yeah, I I I fully agree, and I think you know teams like Hamilton and men have probably been rubbing rubbing their hands at... Um, maybe they shouldn't be right now. Actually, keep washing your hands as long as you're rubbing them with lots of hand sanitizer. <laughs> um, but yeah, do you know
1: what we? you know what we're like, Laurie? Sorry to interject. We're like the the kid at, at um at a, a posh private school that that rocks up in Mummy and Daddy's Range Rover, um, with the tie nicely done, the hair slicked back, and we've got wee Johnny and, and wee Billy who their mum and dad have won the lottery, so they're not the poshest, but the they're, they're prepared to scrap in the playground or, or whatever, and they, they've got the, the old beaten banger up front that mum and dad have, have come in with, and, and they're ready for a fight. They're ready for a battle. We're the one that's come in, go hello, and we're like we're, we're too good for this play. Oh dear, we don't, we don't want to hang about with you two. You'd, you'd no. The, Hamilton and Saint Mirren are we Johnny and we Billy, the the ones who know they they, they have to they have to do a little bit more in life because they haven't been blessed with so called ability we it's honestly it's annoyed it's annoying me that i i don't see why we think that we can just get out of this because we're hearts and we seem to have better players it's so much more than that and that's i'm not annoyed at anyone else i'm annoyed at me for thinking that we're too good yeah
0: and I would agree for for me as well that you know kept thinking no, oh, yeah we'll, we'll get out of this we've got those players there they've not shown it so what? W- why would something change when we've shown over over the course of a season and actually you know weeks ago we said that over the course of 38 games if you took last season into account we'd be well down why, why would we think it would be different adding a few more games to it that we'd suddenly find find form obviously we've got a couple of results but as it was Mentioned by um, uh, by was it MJK earlier that they're they're the blips when things have actually when things have actually gone right for us. Um, Corner radish says, um, make no mistake, folks, we are going down. Question is, what next? We the fans will still be there in terms of personnel, managerial, and player who gets uh, gets to or wants to stay for next season in the championship. And that's um, see that's another one because we've been handing out longer contracts and uh, the suggestion it wasn't categorically said would basically was that there aren't clauses in those contracts if they get relegated that they you know a release clause or or a reduction a massive reduction in wage clause so we could we could be stuck with a lot of these players if we go to the championship anyway because if they are in a contract i mean who's who's going to want them the way they've been played well,
1: there's that. Did Anne did Ann Budge not say there is a contingency for relegation? Or I'm trying because there was a comment that she made, and then we haven't looked at that. And then later, yeah, we've looked at that. And I'm trying to remember if there were if there were kind of clauses in contracts for relegation. We don't know. And and that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Do you remember what I said about the the whose fault is it? If if you'd give me a couple of minutes just to read out some of the replies from the tweet I sent out last night, is that okay?
0: Yes, feel free, yeah.
1: So I just put a tweet out, quote, from the first minute we were not ready for this game, end quote, Daniel Stendhal. And whose fault is that? Preston Pan's hearts. Time to revisit the Sean Clare brackets and others in the trenches debate. Only Moore and Smith were close to winning their battles tonight. Bobby too had a decent game with a great save before half time. Former Hearts player Paul Ritchie, worrying times for all associated with jammed hearts. Jamie Knox, from the first minute, we were awful. We can keep playing managers, but same players keep coming up short. Also, Alistair Blythe, He can't be pointing the finger at Daniel Stendhal. The whole club was rotten to the core until the middle of the season. Then it took weeks to appoint him as we got worse. He cleared out the shite players, but still had his predecessor in the office next to him. Come on, short memories there. I responded, look, not pointing the finger at anyone specific. Everyone should take a share of the blame. We, Rab Keir. Yeah, Keir. Correct manager, wrong time. Um, Pants, chat on. Goodness. So to (laughs) summarize, the wrong manager. G, the manager can only do so much. As soon as these players walk out onto the pitch, it's 99% up to them. It's the -the on-the-pitch performance that is the evident problem. No fight, no steal, zero sense of must-fucking-win from any of them. Paul O'Neill, he needs to shoulder his share of the blame. This is Daniel Stendhal. But it's largely the same team that fought against Hibs and Rangers. Why do they only turn up when it suits? Agreed. Stephen Hogan, Anne Budge and Craig Levine have ruined this club. Graham Duffy, everyone knew how big a game this was, so it's an absolute disgrace. We were not up for this. Everyone in the club has to take their share of the blame for where we are now, some more than others. But Stendhal has now been here a while and there's very little improvement. Ali Hibbard, serious questions now about Stendel's ability to prepare the team for games of this stature. Always going to be difficult to fight a relegation battle in the middle of the season with no knowledge of Scottish football. A few more. Um, Mental father, gamer79. Wow. I wonder if that's the first name or the surname. Um, clearly, the players aren't playing for him. Um, the lack of fight or desire was missing last night, and the fans sell out their end supporting them. They stayed to the end. Stuart Deacon, a game like that shouldn't even require the manager to do a team talk. Every single player knew the importance of it before it kicked off, yet played like they'd never played football before. Gutless, pathetic failures, every one of them. Colin McFadden, 90% the individual players. Personal responsibility within the team. Be as strong as you can be so that the team benefits. Uh, Average Joe, Chico's dad, the wrong manager, but also the wrong group of players, to handle a relegation dogfight. Some of the teams they'll be playing soon have been doing this for years and know what's required. Sadly, we don't. And three more. FHT, horrendous recruitment throughout the club. Greg Voloshin could tell from the first minute. Hearts just weren't up for it enough. Didn't have the fight and battle they've had in previous games. And finally, some Stephen Brown, players and mentality. The teams around us are in this position and state of mind from first game of the season. When we come up against these teams in current situ, we cannot match it. It's all right against Hibs, Rangers, Motherwell, etc. It's a different mindset the opposition have as well. Some really good points there, Laurie.
0: Yeah, I definitely. And I think the overriding one is that just not up for the fight and not the right setup for a fight. I, I do find it hard. I mean, we've we've said some things and we've mentioned some things here that do question um you know the managerial choice and some of the managerial decisions and you have to and we've spoken about it there in the St. Mirren game. I don't think he's set up right. I don't think he's set up quite right for the Motherwell game, but the overall problems have been there and they've been ingrained in the club from before Stendel arrived. So he'll take a portion of it, but I don't think the answer is just that oh we've got the wrong manager in charge. Um th- It's too it simple goes, for us. It goes much deeper than that. Um yeah, yeah. and at this point, you know were, you know, I, I saw Tony Brown was talking about getting Gary Locke in there to basically be a, an assistant of some kind towards the end of the season, and I, I don't know if that's what you need someone like that. I mean, I know some people will, yeah, some people might roll their eyes or say it's has the, a, has the, has
1: the stable door not been bolted? Now is the horse not long gone? I mean, possibly, <laughs> but
0: what what do you do for the last eight games? Then I mean,
1: oh no, I'm talking about so if you're going to introduce someone like Gary Locke, sure. If, if that was the answer, then what is the question? Um, but if you're going to do that, should that not have be been done at the start? Possibly, um, possibly. Yeah. Keep Andy Kirk with the reserves, bring in someone like Gary Kirk, uh, Gary, oh God, that's going to be back. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, what's his name? Gary Locke. Bring him in um, and give Stendhal uh, his, his assistance as well, but have Gary around there because you're not going to meet a more passionate Hearts fan, but is he the right person inside the dressing room? Again, there's those that say, well, just because you've played for the club, that doesn't necessarily mean you you should be part of the coaching staff or whatever. Again, it's it's totally subjective. But bringing him in now, I, I don't really see what, what difference that would make.
0: No, I mean, I would agree. It was just one of the things I saw. Interesting. Um, so I was talking about this after the game. So Hearts are on 23 points just now with eight games left. Um The season that Gary Locke was in charge, 2013 14, with a ninth of the budget or so, if all the reports are correct, which they might not be, but you know, roughly in that ballpark, that team of kids ended up, obviously, when you take the minus 15 points out of it, winning 38 points that season. Do you think we're going to get 15 more points or more between now and the end of the season?
1: Well, if you tell me which season, because it won't be this one. <laughs> no, I don't. And honestly, I don't because. And I'm not saying I'm out... not saying
0: that Gary Locke would be a good candidate for manager at all. I th- yeah, I think that, you know he's shown after that that he has some. He's a passion hearts, passion man. Managerial wise, it hasn't worked out for him. But that season with those kids, you know, we had some absolute awful times. But it was it was excusable because they were kids, and we had. We didn't have the quality or the experience to 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 win those games and to perform when things weren't going our way. They still got 38 points over that season. Uh-huh, We're uh-huh. on 23 now with eight games yep. left. We are not. I'd be surprised if we got close to that at the moment. Yeah.
1: Right now, as far as I'm concerned, my message would be: You've got us into this mess. You get us out of this mess. And and it's over to you. Let's yeah. let's see what this football club means to you. This shouldn't, this shouldn't take a Churchillian speech. This should take a pride. You've got pride in yourself. You've got pride in your performance. You want to reward these fans that spend their hard-earned money every single week to travel all over the country to have 14,000, 15,000 season tickets. You're letting them down, quite simply. So what you need to do between now and the end of the season is show how much you care not because you're on six grand a week if you're Liam Boyce or five grand if you're Naismith, if that's correct, or or whoever. It shouldn't matter how much you're getting paid. You shouldn't even need to get paid right now. You should be out there pulling on that maroon jersey. It doesn't matter if you're on a pound a week or £10,000 a week. You should be going out there with that maroon jersey on and you should be showcasing your ability that you have that made you come to this football club in the first instance And you have to show that you're better than the opposition. You're prepared to fight more than the opposition. You're prepared to battle more than the opposition. And you better hurry up and get your finger out because there's eight games left. But my worry is, if they weren't prepared to do that prior to a St. Mirren game, why would they do it now? Why would the penny drop when they're four points adrift at the foot of the table? Why now? It's over to the players to do it. And if they put us into this mess, then they can bloody well get us out of this mess. Do I have faith that they're going to do it? No, but there's no point in keeping changing things and moving the deck chairs and the Titanic. Looks like we're going to sink, but come on, at least have a bit of pride in your performance because up, up until now, against the teams around us, we've been an embarrassment.
0: Will there be eight games played or eight games played in front of fans before the end of the season? I don't think we're going to get all those games played in front of fans at the very least. Whether it even goes to being cancelled, I don't know. Um, we're not going to get into the finer details of that because that's um, down to certain officials to decide. Um, one thing, though, I'd, I thought about after the game was if, if we did go behind closed doors, it, it can be very surreal. How, how would that affect things? Um, now... I was talking to a few people at the game, and I thought, my, my thoughts would be, if it went behind closed doors, it could help those players. They shouldn't,
1: they shouldn't a, a need time it. At castle, yeah. um, castle, maybe, yeah. At maybe. However, I, I would counter that with doing two games at the weekend, the final two games, in, in, or two of the final games in Serie A before the shutdown, and they affected different players differently. So I did Milan against Genoa, right? Yeah. Genoa are battling. They're fighting. They're scraping to try and get out of the, the relegation zone in Serie A. Milan just meandering along. They've had a poor season, too inconsistent. They've changed managers. The players just didn't want to be there. They looked like they didn't care. From the first whistle, uh, Ibrahimovic up front and no fans. You could hear all the, the, the players chant each other. The general players were united. They were together. They were battling. They were fighting. And they got the win. So they got the three points. Milan were just like... I'd rather be anywhere but here. That's what it looked like. Then I did Juventus Center.
0: Yeah, I watched that one.
1: Now, that's as good as I've seen Juventus, especially in the second half. It was actually that's a very good, good, good game.
0: As... Well, actually,
1: yeah. yeah, but it's weird. It's weird behind closed doors when, when you're worried about how loud you shout and you've just got to hope that your audio mixer doesn't put you too loud. Otherwise, it just sounds totally ridiculous. But Juventus players, I thought, You've got you've got a choice of two things. You can either go and get it done, or you can be like, nah, can't be bothered today.
0: Did you and not think just, there was a lot less, um, a lot less nonsense, a lot less? There seemed to be a lot less play acting right, and squaring up, squaring up the kind of the pantomime that goes on in the game. There seemed to be a lot less of that, and just more. It was just more about the game, more about players playing and trying to win. Yeah,
1: it was a glorified training session with a lot more at stake. And and Juventus, so. Juventus needed to win. They were more focused. Um, Inter needed not to lose, to say, in the title race, because they've still got a game in hand. And they were, they were awful in the yeah. second half. They were as bad as they were in the first half against Milan in the derby when they were 2-0 down. Um, so it, did it affect them? I don't, I, I don't know. They, were, they came up against a buzzsaw in Juventus. Juventus didn't need a crowd to feed off to produce one of their best performances of the season. Maybe that's what they needed. Maybe, on one hand, you think, maybe a home team don't need the crowd, but then look at Milan. Because if, if there had been a crowd at the San Siro, the Milan players would have been absolutely pilloried. Yet there were no crowd, and they still looked like they didn't care. Juventus didn't have their fans behind them and produced one of their best performances of the season, so it was. Yeah,
0: it was more from, I, I guess what I was thinking was more the fact that on paper, you'd suggest that we have the best players of the team's battling, the better squad, but we don't seem to show it and we seem to not perform in these pressure situations and I don't know if, when you took that all away, if you stripped it back and there isn't any crowd, it's just a bunch of players. It's just a theory, you know, it might not work out that way. No, it's um, interesting. I'd put the poll up on twitter incidentally so i said if we have to play the rest of the season behind closed doors would it help hinder or make no difference to heart's relegation battle only 26.2 percent said it would help us by the same time only 9.7 percent said it would hinder us 64.1 percent said it would make no difference which to be honest when i added that in there i thought right now that's what people will say because i'll say same rubbish they will be there'll be rubbish with fans there are not Um, The Maroon Report said no difference, it's still the same players who wear the jersey. Um, Stuart Moody said you would like to think the better players would come out with no fans to add additional pressure but not so sure with this group. Um, Graham Cuthbertson said possibly help, players won't hear fans getting on their backs so much. Opposition fans definitely give teams a lift against us as well. Um, Rachel Kearney says 100% uh, help us, the shit I had to listen to last night from some Hearts fans was embarrassing yeah the players were crap but booing one of your own players every time he touches the ball is quite honestly abysmal and yeah as I mentioned earlier I thought that was maybe a bit far when the game's going on and we're trying to get back into a match to be doing that but at the same time players haven't done enough um, we are Scottish Football says maybe if it was behind closed doors we might play better as clearly, clearly they cannot handle the, pleasure, the pressure of the fans cheering them on um, Harry Temple says it won't make the slightest bit of difference. The players have already shown they can't handle the expectations placed upon them. They are clearly not fit to wear the shirt. And um, uh, John Hill says at least it would put us out of our misery. And last but not least, Matt Gargan says what battle? Um, in reference to me saying the relegation battle. And yeah, the, the fight the hearts have shown would suggest there is not much of a battle going on right now. Um so we don't really know, Mark, what's going to happen because lots of countries have cancelled games or they put them behind closed doors. Um, very surprisingly, we haven't yet. I'd be surprised, and again, I don't want to have a big debate about this because, apart from anything, the situation's changing and there's lots of lots of governing bodies discussing it. Um, we'd I'd truly be surprised that in a week's time we're not talking about moving towards at least going behind closed doors, though. So.
1: Yeah, I don't really want to get involved in a never in changing situation. As someone that sat last night for an hour, having just watched the Donald Trump um, prompter, teleprompter nightmare of him trying to say that, oh, everything will be fine. So we went from Trump, then we went from travel's band um, from Europe to the US, but the, except the UK, and he didn't give details. So you think, oh, God. Then you've got Tom Hanks and his wife who've got the coronavirus. Then you've got the uh, Rudy Gobert NBA season story. Then you've got the NBA canceled all within the space of an hour. That's how quick things can change yeah. um, with, yeah. with, with this story. So it's, it, it could be totally obsolete, whatever this conversation that we have right now is, when depending on when people listen. The one thing I want to do, and I want to get your opinion on this, okay? You've got a choice of two things. Yep. One, the season is cancelled right now or after this weekend, but there is no relegation and no promotion. So you would start the next season with the same teams in the league and Hearts would be spared relegation because of that. Or two, we play it as normal, whether it's behind closed doors or whatever, and we have to fight our way out. Knowing fine well that you could be relegated... Would you take option one, cancelling the season now, and pretty much giving these players and the manager and everyone associated with the football club a get-out-of-jail-free card, or would you take option two, you've got us into this mess, now get us out of it? What would you take?
0: I'd have to take option one, because apart from anything, you know, it won't be the players that will suffer because of us going down, it'll be the club long-term and it'll be the fans, so... Um, they'll end up buggering off somewhere else and probably start playing much better. Um, maybe move to another top-flight team. So, if if there was if it was some kind of punishment that they would they would feel long term, maybe you could say the option two. They probably deserve option two, to be fair. But I feel like the the people <clears throat> and the institution that's going to be affected by it most is the club as a whole and the fans, um, not these players who will end up being sold or picked up on freeze or released and go somewhere else and we'll probably end up doing much better and causing us great frustration when we're in the championship and suddenly Craig Halkett's back to his best for um, for Aberdeen or for Motherwell or something and, and uh, Boyce is gone and he's banging them in every week or, or something you know what I mean, it, it, so you'd still have to pick one because our self-preservation as a Hearts fan, I don't want us to go down so if you gave me a get out, get out of jail free card right now, I'd take it although those players they don't deserve that to be fair they don't they don't deserve the get out of jail free card but i think the fans do
1: mm. maybe two should have been the games go ahead with with full crowds or whatever so the option one would be we t- we take the we take the the kind of get out of jail card and option two would be you still get to go to the football the weekend. because to be honest football without fans football in closed doors is shite you can say oh we get to watch our team on the tv instead no, it's, it's. I watch Hearts every single week on Hearts TV when I can, if it's if it's pictures. I'd rather be at Tynecastle every single week. I can't be, but I, I want to be at the game. So I just thought it, I thought it was an interesting kind of thing, not for a poll on on Twitter or or, or whatever, but I still think, Laurie, that I don't know why I'm thinking it, but we've, we we want to see what these what these players are made made of now.
0: And yeah, and, and and I mean, we, we I'm, well. and ultimately, you know, the decision will be beyond beyond hearts, and and it it, it the whole thing does put it into uh, it pales um, in significance. Really, the the football side of things um, when you talk about a global pandemic. So ultimately, yeah, it, it might not really be the biggest concern for everyone when if things really do um really do get worse um but we're obviously here to talk about hearts and football so we're not going to talk about coronavirus because i'm sure everyone's uh, listening to lots of it reading a lot about it so we'll see what happens we've got livingston this weekend i I didn't really see the point in previewing much I, i i don't really see the point in doing it too much going forward now because apart from anything we don't know what will be happening with the games and also i'm fed up of of having any sort of optimism ahead of a match i think Let's see what happens. Just must do better, really, from these players. They've just got to improve. That's it.
1: No excuses now. No.
0: And time, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have been before. But yeah.
1: no, nope. Time is running out. Let's see
0: what they're made of. So it's, it's it's due to be Livingston Hearts on Sunday. It should be going ahead, we, we think, but that could change. But whatever happens, I guess we'll be back next week to talk about something. Um, <laughs> until then, thanks for tuning in. And um, yeah, Let's not get ahead of ourselves again, Mark. Not this season, anyway. We'll save that yeah. for some point in the future when, when all this is a distant memory.
1: You got the train times for our broth. <laughs> oh,
0: Christ. Oh dear. Let's go for some smokies.